Ephesians chapter 6 is the close of this uh, little book. We've been studying the book of Ephesians during the month of March. And we come to the closing section of this chapter, and this will a little bit And I want to lay this on your heart during these next few moments. Maybe again, pray together. Our Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear from God, that we would hear the Holy Spirit make alive and interpret the Scripture itself so we know what God is saying. We pray for those in nursing homes and in hospitals and on beds of affliction and in jails, those who are in trouble, those who are in the service, in the air, in the sea, maybe orbiting the earth, everywhere where there's someone who has a need. We pray especially for that one who has contemplated suicide. That thy spirit would touch that heart. And may the Holy Spirit of God bring encouragement and strength just now. We pray for those who have been so discouraged. More that can ever get done than assigned to them. And so we have to rely upon thee to help those things be accomplished. We pray for the unsaved, that God's Spirit will touch their hearts and draw them to Christ. In Jesus' name we ask you to use it. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, we begin with verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that in this I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that ye also may know my affairs, and know how I be, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that you might know how our affairs, and that he might comfort your heart. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Now you recognize this section coming at the end of chapter 6. The Holy Spirit through Paul has just been dealing with the devil. Earlier in the chapter he said, Finally, my brethren, stand fast in the Lord. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then he lists seven pieces of equipment with which which the believer can protect himself. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, Feet side of the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And then he says, the only aggressive weapon we have is the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. We go forth, conquering the conquer with that. And then he caps it all off in verse 18. He says, and pray for us. Pray for each other. Prayer, prayer covers a multitude of sins. 
just like love does. You pray for somebody, you can't hardly be mad at them. You pray with somebody, you can hardly stay mad at them. That's the reason it's important for husbands and wives to pray together. For families and children, children and moms and dads to pray together. But in this particular passage, he says, now, in addition to praying for one another, I want you to pray for me. This is Paul talking. He's an older man now. He's in a Roman prison. He calls himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He never mentions that he's a Roman prisoner. He doesn't mention the government. He doesn't derail the government. He just says, I'm a prisoner. I'm really a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And that is a twofold meaning because in real reality he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ, a bondservant of the Lord. But what he probably is talking about when he says that is, I'm in prison. I'm in a Roman jail. I'm in a Roman dungeon. And the Romans think they're doing that. But really, I'm here because of Jesus. If there's anything that wrong that I did, I'm here because I took a stand for Jesus. And he said, I want you to pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the glorious mystery of the gospel. In other words, pray for me that I won't get discouraged. Do you think Paul was ever subject to discouragement? You read the 12th chapter of 2nd Corinthians and you find out. He said, I was up and down. And he said, sometimes I was exalted so high that lest I should be exalted above measure, the Lord just brought me down and gave me a thorn in the flesh. And I asked God three times to remove it, and he wouldn't do it. But he said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. He said, pray for me that I'll not get discouraged, not get defeated. Pray for me that I'll not get animosity toward this guy that I'm, I'm chained to, but that I'll be a faithful witness to him, that I may open my mouth boldly. You know, on the way to Rome, they started to throw all the prisoners out when they had a shipwreck. And Paul prayed, and God said, Paul, don't you worry. I want to take care of you. We're going to get through this storm because you have to stand before Jesus. God knew that he had a wonderful mouthpiece in the Apostle Paul. And so Paul says, they think they did this to me out of animosity. They think I'm chained here because they've got me. Really, Jesus has me here so that I can give my witness before Jesus. And I'm convinced he did it. The record doesn't show it. The Bible doesn't really say that he went before Caesar, but I believe he did before he died. You imagine that opportunity of presenting the Christian faith before Caesar. And did you know what happened in the years that came by later? The whole Roman government became Christian. And eventually, the Roman emperor was saved. Not this one, not Caesar, but a successor to Caesar. And... Uh, and the Christian movement began to spread like wildfire, maybe partly because of the prayer of the Ephesians. He said, you pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly. So we never know the power of our prayer life. Have you ever felt impressed to pray for somebody you just were thinking, you maybe had your mind on several different things, and all of a sudden it just came to you out of place or something, and you just prayed for so-and-so? Uh, Nobody had asked you to particularly, but you just began to think about that person. You began to pray for him. 
God in all probability put that person on your mind. Have you ever been awake in the middle of the night and you couldn't go back to sleep and you wonder, what in the world am I awake for? What's wrong? Did I just eat too many onions last night and what's wrong with me? Is it possible that God woke you up so you could talk to him a little while while nobody else was around and just pray? And Paul said, pray for me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And a little bit later, he uh, he thinks of Tychicus. He says, now, Tychicus, I'm going to send so he can tell you all about my state, how I'm doing. Uh, he doesn't really tell them all about his state, but he says, Tychicus will come and tell you. And he closes this epistle by saying, Peace, love, faith, grace be to all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, love, faith, and grace be to all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ. We're encouraging people to come to Sunday school on Easter Sunday. To be here under the Word of God. I want to suggest several reasons why we do this and why we encourage you to bring your friend. Number one, and I think Paul had some of these things in mind as he said, pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly. Number one, there's an enlarged vision and spirit of our Sunday school and workers when we see hope come. Crowds attract crowds. <clears throat> you know, when you come into a room, like many times at training, you know, Sunday night, you go into the adult form, and it's just packed with people. Is that encouragement? Did you get blessed by that? When you look in the choir and you say 50 or 60 people in that choir, and it's not your standing room only, wouldn't that be a blessing to you? You do not know what a blessing is. And you know, some of you have voices that you're withholding from the crowd. And if you would just plunge in there by faith too, you'd be part of that blessing of blessing everybody else. Same thing is true in the Sunday school class. Uh, a few, about two years ago, we had a special emphasis to... Uh, enlarge the attendance and get folks here on a certain day. And Brother Richard Hinn, in the Young Married People's Department, arranged those chairs, and uh, they had been working hard, and they put a name on every chair, and their goal was to fill every chair either with that person's name or somebody that wasn't on their name, whose name was not there. And they did it. They had more that day than they'd ever had before in Sunday school. You see, it takes work. You can't get this done without work. You can't get the work of God done without work. But when you do the work, there's an enlarged vision. And what a blessing it is. And you get blessed. And everybody else gets blessed. And the whole class gets blessed. The church gets blessed. And heaven gets blessed. And souls get blessed because somebody hears the gospel and somebody gets saved. Number two, it emphasizes the natural and special occasions on the church and secular calendar that are often overlooked. Easter Sunday, just because it's Easter Sunday, doesn't mean people are going to go to Sunday school here at church. You have to work at it. Some of the coldest services we've ever had have been on Easter Sunday. I don't mean, I don't mean the temperature outside. I'm just talking about when we didn't do anything, we try to make excitement, build excitement. Here's what happens. Some of the people out of town uh, some of the faithful ones are here, 
And then some people come that don't ever go to church. And you try to cut. You just try to cut this. God's like cutting, try to cut ice. It's cold. But when you pray for the service, and you begin to invite people, and you have friends that are coming that don't usually go to church anywhere, and you encourage them to come, and they begin to come in, you get blessed. You say, oh, look here, here. Look at that one over there. I prayed that they would come. And you get so excited, and, and then the Holy Spirit works, and one or two of those get saved, they get turned to sing. And what a blessing that is. Amen? Amen, see? It's just a blessing. All right, thirdly, it enlists the practical Christian service, those members of the saints who church who otherwise are just spectators. <laughs> I was talking to a banker today, and I was commending this banker who goes to Eastwood Baptist Church. I was commending them for their auditorium. You know, they have a sand church auditorium. It's shaped like a colonial building, but you go in, and it's sand church. It's very beautiful, ornate. And I was commending him. He said, well, it's hard on the uh, backseat Baptist. I said, you're not one of them, are you? And he just was quiet a minute. And I said, that's pretty hard on the spectators because everybody has to get close to the front because there aren't any back, back benches. If you go over there, you'll notice that. That's good. That's good. A lot of times, auditoriums are built long so people can sit way in the back back there and get lost. And, and they get lost among the people that talk and make right notes and all that kind of stuff and get it and go in and out of the service and you just can't possibly get anything out of it. Even this man, banker, I'm not trying to embarrass him, I wouldn't tell you his name, but he said, well, I have to admit that I get more out of it now than I used to when I sat in the back. Because there's any place in the back, there isn't any place in the back to sit now. That's good. But we build an auditorium something like that. <laughs> now, you see, the spectators begin to do something they get involved, and God blesses, and they begin to enjoy it, too. And, oh, my, God blesses them. And then number four, it evangelizes the unreached in the community. You go out and begin to gossip the gospel. You go out excited about the Lord Jesus and uh, invite people. Give them a little try. Give them a little gospel invitation. Give them a little, find all those little sign-ups and say, hey, we're having something exciting going on Sunday, Easter Sunday. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. We want you to help us. Will you help us? Well, most of them would be glad to have said those things said, yes, I'll be a friend of Jesus by being here on that Sunday. Now, some of you are too dignified to ever use a piece of paper like that. That's all right. You do the best way you know how to do it. But get them here anyway. And if you're not too dignified, use that. And it'll bless people. It'll bless you. And it'll get the folks here. And some of those people you invite will come to get saved, and God will bless them. And then, uh, last of all, it enlarges the attendance. You say, well, we're not so much interested in numbers. I've heard that till I get sick. The whole, there's a whole book in the Bible named Numbers. What, are you going to tear that book out of your Bible? And it's filled with numbers. There's some stories in there, too, but it's filled with numbers. So is Leviticus. So this guy begot this guy, and this guy begot this guy, and all those intricate names are listed. Numbers after numbers. God cares about numbers. He cares about the multitudes of the people. Jesus, seeing the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Let's invite the multitude to Jesus. 
And let's be glad when they come. Wouldn't you rather have five hearing the Word of God than one? Wouldn't you rather have 20 hearing the Word of God than 10? Well, doesn't it make sense that you would rather hear, uh, see 50 hearing about Jesus than just 20? Wouldn't you rather see 500 hear about Jesus than just 100? How do we get that done? He has no hands but our hands. He has no feet but our feet. He has no tongue but our tongue. Let's say, Lord, use me. Use me. And pray with Paul. Pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly. That we might go out of here tonight and find a friend next door, a friend at the bank, or a friend at the grocery store, or a friend we work with, or a friend at school, someone, and encourage them to come and be under the Word of God. God will bless. Now for those who do not know Jesus at all, you've never received Him as your Savior, why not tonight? Just say, Lord, open. I want to open my heart to you. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved. I want Christ Jesus to come and live inside my heart. You can invite Him in, and if you'll invite Him in, He'll come. He has never once said no to anybody inviting Him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and talk with him and he with me. So you have that guarantee. If you hear Jesus knocking tonight, open the door. Say, come in. He'll come in. Let's bow together in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture that reminds us that peace and faith and love and grace are all available, bound up in the person of Jesus Christ. And if we honor him by giving him to others and telling others about him, then he in turn gives those gifts that are so precious to us to them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. Let's turn to page uh, 190. I love to tell the story of unseen things above. That's one of the greatest evangelistic songs in our book. 190. We seldom ever sing it as a closing hymn, a dedication or invitation hymn. But it's just as good there as someplace else. I love to tell the story. That's what we've been doing tonight. That's what many of you have been doing for years now. Some of you have been doing it during the months since you've been saved, telling the story. Do you really love to do it? Let's ask God to give us a new love for telling that old, old story so that one day when we stand in the scenes of glory we'll sing the new, new song will be the same old song that I've loved so long. If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, come to Jesus. Trust Him as your Savior. Or anyway, the Holy Spirit may have impressed you to have your heart move. You do what God tells you to do. While we sing, I love to tell the story. Will you come? <laughs>